The scripture reading this morning will come from Psalm chapter 118 and verse 14. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. I want to welcome everybody this morning. As has already been said, we're very grateful that you're joining us, whether you're here in the audience or uh, joining us via uh, media. <clears throat> we're glad you're here and appreciate it very much. Um, Brethren, we've had a special prayer request, and, and we certainly do want to honor this. Uh, Mabry, who is Chris uh, Carter's granddaughter, we all are very familiar with her. We've been praying for her for some time and the situation she has with her deafness, and, and they found some really good news um, in that regard, and they're going to uh, be um, having her implant surgery Friday, May the 8th. Please mark that down on your calendar. We want to pray for this young lady not only this morning, but every day, um, maybe several times a day, whenever you go to God in prayer. Um, please pray for Mabry and her parents, Crystal and Layton. If all goes well, she's going to come home Saturday after her surgery and then go back the 20th for them to turn on the, the implants that they're going to have so that she can hear um, as well as anybody else. And we're very grateful for modern technology and their ability to do that. And if you know Ms. Mabry, you know she's a fine young lady. And uh, one year old, is she? Okay. And, and so let's, let's do honor this prayer request, brethren. It's very, very good at this time. Father, <clears throat> we want to thank you for all the many ways you love and bless us. And God, we know that in our human condition, sometimes we have problems. And, and your word says that, and we understand that. But Father, you're the great physician, and you can do all things. And you're certainly not limited in any way whatsoever. And Father, you know uh, Miss Mabry's condition a whole lot better than we do, and and the doctors have been on top of this, and and we live in a time where they can do something about this now, and 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 help this young lady be able to hear. And and so, Father, we're very grateful for that, and we do indeed pray, Father, and we want to continue to pray that you would be with her throughout this whole ordeal, Father, that you would be with her during the surgery, that you would be with the doctors and the nurses and everyone that's going to be tending to her and that they will be able to do exactly what they need to do in order to restore this young lady's hearing, Father. We pray you'll be with Crystal and Leighton, her parents, and that you will give them your strength during this time, Father, and, and, and encouragement. And, uh, Father, we just pray that you would help this uh, operation, this surgery, to be a major success and that, and that little Miss Mabry will be able to hear and, and, and continue on in her life as she grows up, Father, and that she would be a blessing to so many people as she already has been. Continue to bless her and her entire family in every way, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Beloved, I want to share with you, and this is the, uh, it's a newspaper article, actually, that I read some years ago, and, and, and uh, I got to thinking about it. I thought that would make a good sermon. Have you, have you ever saw a newspaper article or maybe a news feed or something, and you think, that'll preach, uh, you know? Um, this happened, actually, true story in Gavison, Texas, some years ago, and it's about a woman and her pet bird named Chippy that used to just be so happy and sing all the time. Well, the woman was cleaning her Chippy's birdcage one day, and like many women who have a lot to do and are busy, she wanted to take a shortcut, and so she decided to clean the cage out with one of these canister vacuums. We, we call them down here a, a, like a wet vac or a, or a shop vac, you know, and, uh, and so she was reaching in the bottom of the cage and just 
doing that, you know, Chippy's sitting up on his little stand. Well, about that time, the phone rings. So she turns to answer the telephone. She don't realize she lifted the, the, the tube up on the vacuum cleaner, and she hears this horrible sucking noise. And she drops the phone and turns around and realizes she has sucked poor little Chippy into the canister vacuum cleaner. So she runs over there real quick. She turns it off. She opens the lid. She sees little old Chippy in there, and he is just covered with dust and, and, and soot and dirt and all kind of stuff, and obviously he's in shock, and his feathers is all over the place, and she's panicking, so she grabs him up, and she runs into the bathroom, and she dumps him in, just turns the spigot on to cold water and just drenches him in cold water to get him cleaned off. And he's sitting there shaking, of course. So she sees her uh, hair dryer and she reaches over there and she grabs that hair dryer and she just blasts him with some heat, you know, to dry him off and everything. And poor old Chippy went through an ordeal. Well, the word got around and so it, it got in the newspaper. Actually, it's one of them uh, human interest kind of articles. And a couple of weeks later, the reporter come back to the house who had originally covered the story, and he said, everybody's texting me and writing and saying, whatever happened to Chippy? You've got to give us an update. And the lady says, well, Chippy doesn't sing anymore. He just sits and stares. Beloved, I think there's folk in this world today who can identify with Chippy, right? Life has sucked you up, thrown cold water on you, blown you away, and somewhere in the trauma and the crisis, a lot of people have lost their song. So that's the lesson this morning. Have you lost your song? And if you have, then I want to ask the question, who or what stole your song? Those of you in Christ, do you remember your baptism? You remember when you first come to the Lord and you repented of your sins and you confessed that Jesus was going to be your Lord from now on and you were baptized into Christ and you come up out of that watery grave, the blood of Jesus having forgiven all your sins and wiped them away and you've got a brand new creation now and you're on your way to heaven and not hell and things are going great. You remember your baptism. You remember how wonderful that was, how it made you feel, you know, the, 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 the preciousness of life, you know, and all that. You remember how wonderful that was? Somewhere along the way, see, we have that vacuum cleaner experience, don't we? What is it that steals your song? You know, it can be sometimes the pressures of life, just the everyday pressures of living in this old sinful world. Maybe it's fear and anxiety. Maybe pain, a prolonged illness, a financial crisis, a loss. Beloved, there are people who lose their loved ones through death, you know, and, and, and you can't even explain that sometimes. Some of the worst kind, and I hope I never have to experience this, but some of the worst kind is a parent losing a child. And, and, and we don't sugarcoat those things, brethren. We, we, we know those things can be absolutely devastating. Some people lose their song because they're constantly around very negative and pessimistic people, you know? That's just all that they think about. There are some in this world who have lost their song, and so they refuse to let those around them sing either, you know? Jesus describes in the parable of the sower in the Gospels the cares and worries of this life that choke some people out. Let me tell you something else, brethren, and maybe 
this virus has been a blessing in this regard because a lot of people allow busyness to cause them to lose their song. They used to have an old song in the olden days back when I was a youngster that says, you got to stop and smell the roses. And sometimes we get so busy we don't do that. We get so busy we don't have time to sing. When my little girl was a little girl, and that's been a little while ago, you know, the, the movie, the Disney cartoon come out called The Little Mermaid. I don't know if you all remember that. I had to watch it with her like a hundred times, so I had it pretty well memorized. And in The Little Mermaid, Ariel, who was The Little Mermaid, she had an incredible singing voice. And she was always happy and always singing, but she was duped by the evil sea witch Ursula into trading her beautiful singing voice for a pair of legs so she could walk on land and pursue her one true love. She made a horrible trade-off as you watch the movie and realize. But friend, what trade-off have you made this morning? What trade-off have you made for your song? Who stole your song? You say, well, I've never had a song. I disagree with that because the Bible says God gives us a song and a reason to sing, doesn't he? Brother, we all have problems. We all have crises sometimes that overwhelm us. We understand that. And again, we're not trying to make light of that this morning. But the Bible says that those who trust in God can sing in their darkest hours. I call these midnight singers. Midnight singers because they sing in spite of their circumstances. They sing in spite of their crises that they're going through, brothers and sisters. I, I take this from Acts 16 because Paul and Silas were midnight singers. Acts 16 verses 22 through 25 says, The crowd rose up together against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. When they had struck them with many blows, brethren, our scholars tell us their, their backs would have been a bloody pulp. They threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them in the inner prison. We would call that like, like solitary confinement. I mean, this was in the basement, so to speak, and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now, with their feet being fastened in the stock, it meant that they were probably bent over in a very uncomfortable position to where their backs were hurting even worse. But what were they doing about midnight? Here's these midnight singers. Paul and Silas were praying and singing. And what were they praying, brethren? What were they singing? Were they singing songs of despair? Were they singing what we call the blues, you know? Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression. Excessive misery. Some of y'all know where that song came from. Those that you don't need to get educated. But, you know, well, is that what they were singing? Not at all, brothers and sisters. The Bible says they were singing hymns of praise to God. Isn't that amazing? What were these people doing? They were preaching God's word. They were doing God's will. They weren't out in sin. They weren't breaking some kind of law. They were simply doing what God had commissioned them to do, and they're beaten for it and thrown in jail, and they could have very easily said, they're away. This, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm not going to serve God as this is what it's going to cost me. No, brethren. They were singing praises to God in a... Depth of a prison in mid at midnight. 
And I love what the rest of the, it, it, this should go without saying, but it says, and the prisoners were listening to them. Isn't that amazing? Brothers and sisters, people take notice of midnight singers. They really do. Let's look at a few midnight singers. Jesus was. You know, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's praying that let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And in the darkest hour of his life, in Matthew 26, verse 30, beloved, right before he goes to uh, uh, confront his accusers to be crucified, after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Beloved, I just don't know that I'd want to be singing right then. Jesus did. Jesus did that. The Bible says at midnight, we see David, at midnight David arose to give thanks to God. Psalms 119 verse 62. The cords of the wicked have encircled me. This is 61 and 62. The cords of the wicked have encircled me. And you say, well, David, you're going through a really rough time, so you're going to cuss God for that? No, he said, I have not forgotten your law. At midnight... I shall rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous ordinances. Have you ever just got up at midnight and felt like you needed to sing praises to God? Brethren, I read uh, an account of the prisoners of war during the Vietnam War. And, and these were people that stayed in what they nicknamed the Hanoi Hilton. Some of them for seven years. They were in individual sheds made of tin in the jungle where the heat is stifling, and that shed was about three foot by three foot and barely tall enough for them to stand erect in. Uh, they said that they could stand on one wall, take one step, and hit the other wall of that shed. They were like that. They were letting out for a few minutes a day, and the rest of the time they were in there. And so you read in that book, and, and the question is, what kept them alive? And every one of them men in that said, our faith in God that we constantly quoted scriptures to one another and sang spiritual songs. They made it a point to, uh, to, to share with each other songs that they had learned in their growing up years. Isn't that amazing? We see another midnight singer that you'll be familiar with named Fanny J. Crosby. She was in constant darkness because she was blind. And yet she was able to write and sing songs that we love today, such as a wonderful Savior is Jesus my Lord, and blessed assurance, and I am thine, O Lord, and Jesus keep me near the cross. Praise him, praise him, rescue the perishing, and hundreds of other songs in her darkness. We spoke recently in another sermon on H.G. Spafford that you'd be uh, familiar with, a midnight singer, lived in the mid-1800s, was a very successful businessman in Chicago in real estate. The Chicago fire, which destroyed most of that city, took his uh, income away and left him penniless almost. He sent his wife and four daughters to England in order to escape the stress while he was to rebuild the business and while <coughs> they were on the way by ship. He received the word from his wife, a very... Short telegram, ship sank, violent storm, I alone survived. All of his daughters had died. In his darkest hour of his life, he writes, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well 
it is well with my soul. Brothers and sisters, I admire Ben Nightsay. I admire those who continue to sing praises to their Lord in spite of going through horrible crises that truly try men's souls. But the question, of course, is how? How in the world can these people do that? What enables these folk to, to be what we refer to as midnight singers, to possess hope even in their darkest hour and their crises? And brethren, the answer to that alone is God Almighty. The Bible tells us that. He gives us a song and a reason to sing. Psalm 42, 8, his song will be with me in the night. Isn't that amazing, brothers and sisters? If God is the center of your life, I'm not talking about lukewarm, nominal, uncommitted. I'm talking about people where God is the very core and center of your life. Then, brethren, your faith and your hope and your assurance in him is going to enable you to sing at midnight. It helps to cope when we can do that. It helps get us through. And why? Why can we do that? Because we understand, brothers and sisters, that in spite of anything that's happened to us, in spite of any loss, in spite of any suffering, in spite of anything we've got to go through, our sins are washed away. We're saved. We're on our way to heaven. We have an eternal home. We have, as Chris mentioned, God's strength and power and guidance and his love and his word and all of his promises. In other words, <clears throat> as Romans points out, we have his all, his everything. That's what we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. So the Christian has a reason to sing. If we're close to God, if we have the biblical relationship to God that we need to have, we can't help it, brothers and sisters. We're going to have to. When Chad was about two years old, we was driving somewhere on vacation, and our vacation was the time that I would work all day, get off work, Kathy would have everything ready to go, the car would be packed, I'd basically walk from work, jump in the car, we'd take off, get from point A to point B, and only stop to get gas and something to eat real quick. We'd grab a hamburger on the way, I'd eat it on the way, you know, and Chad's in his little car seat, two years old, and i am got a splitting headache, and it's been a wrong day, and we're trying to get where we're going, and I'm all tensed up and under stress, you know, and I hear this noise coming from the back seat, you know, just a constant, just constant, and I'm trying to be patient. He's a two-year-old kid, and I finally just turned around and said, Chad, would you please be quiet? And he looks at me and smiles, and he says, I'm Ingen, Daddy. And he was, and I shut up, and I kept driving. And the Lord somehow got me there saying, Brethren, we can sing at midnight because even though man may take everything we possess and even heal this body, they cannot take what we have in Jesus Christ. Amen? That's why many martyrs, while they were being burned at the stake, would sing songs of praise to God. God gives us both a song and a reason to sing. That's, I love that song that says, Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. 
Brethren, we have that. Now listen, here's the thing though. You leave God, you lose your song. It's God that gives us the song and God that gives us the reason to sing. You know what? I think the reason many have lost their song is they don't know Christ. They don't keep him first in their life. And so they lose their reason to sing. Or they attempt to sing a different song. They march to a much different tune. You know, it is a singing of anger and bitterness and resentment and, you know, uh, pleasures and everything like that. And when, and, and they're, you know, they, they sing these songs. You won't prove, brothers and sisters, listen closely to the songs of our time. I'm not talking about every one of them. Obviously, there's some good music out there and some we can appreciate. But, but listen to a lot of the music. And you hear songs of despair and using others to satisfy yourself and drinking and drugging and, 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 and just perverse sex and violence and murder and, and Satan worship and suicide and all kind of stuff. You heard the joke about they played a country song backwards, you know, and the man, when they played the song backwards, he actually quit drinking, stopped cheating on his wife, got a job, became a responsible husband and father, right? And, uh, but brethren, some of them songs are like that, right? You got to cry a beer in your tear kind of thing, you know, and, uh, and, uh, or tear in your beer, you know? And so why? Why is there so much despair and degradation and depravity in modern music and literature and TV and the media and the music and, uh, all of that, you know? Why is there that, brethren? Let me read an actual statement. I don't know if y'all are, there was a very famous agnostic named Robert Ingersoll. He died. And the printed funeral notices that were handed to everyone as they came to a funeral said, there will be no singing. Now that's a statement, isn't it? The fellow that talks about this says, don't look for hymns and anthems or oratories or carols and spiritual songs among infidels and agnostics or skeptics, because without God, without Christ, without redemption, without a divine revelation, and without hope, what do they have to sing about? Now, brethren, that's, that's, a, that's a fair question, isn't it? What, what do they have to sing about in a situation? And so we need to have God in our life, because without God, life has no real meaning. And it does lead only to despair. The person without Christ in this life is, is like the wind-up music box. My aunt, my great-aunt, my grandmother's sister, she was considered well-to-do in our family, and she had one of these beautiful little crystal ceramic wind-up music boxes. Y'all ever seen those, you know, that the old folk would have when you were a kid? This thing was so beautiful, and it had... I don't remember now if it was a, like a couple on it dancing or a little ballerina, but it was something like that. And, and you could wind that thing up, and it would turn, you know, the, 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 thing, the, per, the person on the top would spin around and kind of dance, you know, and, and, and make beautiful music. If I remember correctly, it was something like Somewhere in My Love or something, and real pretty music. Well, we liked it, you know, and so we'd wind it up so it would go a long time. Well, in our enthusiasm, you know, we wound that thing and wound it and wound it, and guess what? We messed it up. We sprung it too tight, or wound it too tight. And so what it would do, they'd no, make, no longer make any music. Oh, the, the, the person would still go around in circles, and, and, and it'd make this 
clunk, clunk kind of noise, you know, but no beautiful music anymore. And brothers and sisters, there's people like that in the world today. They've lost their song, right? They've been wound too tight. Uh, you know, maybe they're broken, and, and they're still going around in circles. They're still living. They're still surviving, but they have no song. They have a miserable life for the most part, you know. And uh, so what do you do then? What is the answer? You want to sing again? You want your song back? The Bible says you return to God or come to God for the, to begin with, whatever your situation may be. Psalms 51, verses 14 and 15. This is David's prayer of repentance. He had gone off into adultery and gone off into sin and, and, and has been chastised for it. So he comes back to the Lord, and this is part of his prayer in verses 14 and 15. He tells, he prays to God, deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, the God of my salvation. And then, once he's forgiven of his sin, once he's returned to God, then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness, O Lord. Open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise. Isn't that amazing, brothers and sisters? In Psalms 137 is a psalm of captivity. Israel had left God, was serving God, false gods. They were in idolatry. God gave them over to captivity in a foreign country where they didn't even speak that language in order to chastise them and cause them to return. And this is what they say. These were people that used to be great singers. And this is what they say. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion, Jerusalem, Israel. Upon the willows in the midst of it, we hung our harps. They weren't going to use them anymore. Why? For there our captors demanded of us songs, and our tormentors mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. And their response was, How can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? Beloved, maybe you're in a foreign land this morning. Maybe you're off in sin. Maybe you've left the Lord. You can't sing. You can't sing in that regard. You've got to come home. And God always invites us to do that, you know. These people were in captivity. They said, we can't sing the songs of our homeland while we're in captivity. And so, you know what? There's a whole lot of people in that same situation today because they're held captive by Satan. And you need to leave him and come to your Father, your Lord, your Savior. So let me ask as we conclude this morning, beloved, like Chippy, has life beaten you down and stomped you into the ground? Has life sucked you up and thrown cold water on you and then blown you away? A lot of people in that situation, have you lost your song? Then come home to God. He will restore you. He will give you a new start, a new life, and a new song. Listen to what Psalms 40, the first three verses say. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. Listen to this. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and trust in the Lord. Brothers and sisters, when we learn to sing at midnight, then we're going to be able to minister to others in the darkness. We need our song. And then one day, the Bible says we're going to sing a new song with all the redeemed in our heavenly home before God's 
throne. I look forward to that day, brethren, because you know what? We'll all be good singers there. We sing that song, when all of God's singers get home, what a day of delight that's going to be. It certainly is. My question this morning as we close is, are you determined to be there? You know the choice is yours. Jesus died on a cross so you could be saved, but you've got to give your life to him. If you've not done that or if you've done that and you, for whatever reason, you know, the stresses of life, whatever they may be, you got back out of that world, we invite you to come home to your heavenly Father. Contact us. Let us help you in any way because we all want to have that song of praise to our heavenly Father. Please contact us if you need to as we sing.